Hey, it's Lou Carlozo, the host of Bankadelic, the sister podcast to Dave and Don Demystify, and based in Chicago. And if you've been checking out the podcast vault, Dave and Darm just celebrated their 50th episode. And in honor of that, I had them on my Bankadelic podcast to talk about all of the great things that they have been discussing, how they are trying to spotlight people in financial services and fintech that are truly making a difference. And I would argue that Dave and Darm have made a difference. This is an adapted version of the Bankadelic episode here for your listening pleasure on Dave and Darm Demystify. From the studios of NMD Plus in the UK and US comes the Dave and Darm Demystify Show. Dave and Darm Demystify Show, making sense of the world of fintech and digital finance. Sit back and listen as the two Ds take a subject and chat it through to make it clearer and easier to understand. And now, here are your hosts, Dave Wallace and Darm Mystery. Demystify. I have two people on the podcast today who I would consider to be dear friends. They are rock stars in the London FinTech scene, Dave Wallace and Darmish Mystery. Very briefly, and I'm gonna let them introduce themselves. They are working on two very cutting edge companies right now. Darmish is the co-founder of Ask Homie, which is a prop tech concern. And that is a very fast growing area of the fintech industry. And Dave is the co-founder of NMD Plus, which is dedicated to hyper-personalization and consultancy in the financial industry. And why don't you talk a little bit about yourselves, your history going back with this. You guys have a personal history as well and what you're looking to do right now. I shall let age go before beauty, Dom. <laughs> Ah, brilliant. Okay, I'll go first. Because I'm so old, I might forget otherwise. (laughs) Um, So I've been in banking 30 odd years, you know, probably I'm best known as a banking geek. That is, I've worked in technology side of banking for like 30 years. I met Dave about well over 20 years ago at the beginning of, I guess, e-commerce on the internet. And we put some of the very first banks online with some of the very first projects globally. Like we created an insurance site that, you know, sold the world's first policy online, the first mobile banking application in 1999, et cetera. So we've been quite lucky to work in a very exciting space. And my NUCO is very much something that I believe it's a confluence of multiple industries coming together to drive better experiences for customers. What we're really focusing on is property management, merging with financial services to make lives for homeowners and renters much easier, right? That's me done. So I'm here because of Darmish, actually. So (laughs) 25 years ago, as Darmish says, he said, oh, look, this sort of world of digital, which you're part of, it's going to get a lot more exciting because we're going to look at banks and insurance companies. And I think 
the look on my face when I look back at him was like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> but here am I 25 years later. And yeah, it's been a fantastic time to be doing what we're doing. So my background is essentially design, user experience, and I guess marketing. And I've always sort of thought of myself as a sort of customer champion in terms of the work that's been done. So whilst Dharma's dealt with technology, I've dealt with the sort of experience side of things and worked with a number of banks over the years. So I guess I saw in terms of the work that we were doing or I was doing that it was very focused on process optimization and not really about enriching people's lives. So I can see huge opportunities through things like personalization technologies. For me, that's the next big, big step. It's building true customer relationships through digital channels. So that's me. That's brought me up to date as well. Fantastic. And one of the things I love about being a fly on the wall when you guys do your podcast is that for all both of you have achieved, you both have this relentless curiosity and this fascination, which I think is how Dave and Darm Demystify came about, right? You wanted to take these concepts that maybe you didn't quite understand and demystify them for the audience, break them down. What are the things right now that each of you find really fascinating that you just want to dig deeper and deeper into and understand more? For me, it's definitely the space of decentralized finance, crypto, and everything that's kind of related to that space. We did an interview recently with Paul Schultz, who summed it up nicely that this is the end of fintech. Fintech is about to die. And I was taken aback by that. But actually, you know, when we delve deeper into this stuff, there's a sense in what he's talking about. And so for me, I would say the trend towards decentralization and everything that goes along with it, whether it's a digital currency, whether it's a platform, whether it's, you know, ledgers, applications, dApps, that's it on top, et cetera. The whole thing is about the reinvention of commerce and it's not going to affect just banks, but software companies are going to get destroyed. Traditional businesses, you know, will have to rethink their models, et cetera. I mean, for me, it's a very, very exciting time. Wow. Absolutely. You know, for me, the whole decentralization marketplace and concepts, I think is really interesting. You know, as you said, Lou, we're really fortunate because we're ending up talking to a bunch of people really at the cutting edge, and it's kind of making us really think about all of this stuff. So there is one area which I was actually asked to write an article about the impact of climate change on the financial services industry. And that sort of started opening my eyes to a really big area, which I think there's an awful lot of thinking going into climate change. And I think there's a lot of people in financial services who are thinking about it. But what doesn't seem to be happening is that's not necessarily finding itself into the mainstream. So I know there's a bunch of fintechs out there who are looking at this as a problem. But if I was to say one area, I think this is the one area which is sort of super, super interesting because it needs everything that Dharmesh just talked about in terms of decentralization, plus, plus, plus. So I can sort of see over the next few years that that's something that I'll really be looking to kind of explore as a subject. What Dave is really talking about is quite broad. You know, it's about companies becoming purposeful, having a mission that isn't about how much money they make, but about how much impact they have on bettering the planet. 
And there is synergy between these two things, because actually, when we move towards a decentralized world, we're leveraging internet transparency, right? And we're removing centralized control. What it then says, well, okay, in that kind of world, we can't have people that are monopolistic anymore, right? We can't have people that have you know, hidden agendas behind the data or way that they make their money. Everything has to be transparent. So we have to be purposeful, right? And for me, that's what's really exciting is that if this technology takes off the way that I think it's going to, actually we end up with a better world and the ESG and the technology meet together to create a better planet, right? Absolutely. ESG has been a big time fascination of mine lately. And we're at the point now where it's trillions of dollars. I think the latest estimate I heard is that if not now, very, very soon, one third of all of the assets under management on the planet are going to be devoted to investments that look at environmental, social, or governance concerns. That's what ESG stands for. And then on top of that, when you add this decentralization element, and then even look at some of the things right now where finance has to take a hard look at itself. You guys had a guest on recently that talked about all of the energy that Bitcoin is taking up just to mine those coins, that it's a tremendous waste and that there are alternatives out there that are being developed where it's going to take up a lot less energy and it's going to be a lot less speculative. There's really yeah. all sorts of points here. Take El Salvador, for example, right? They're mining the Bitcoin is done through heat in a volcano, right? And it's totally <laughs> green. It's costing, you know, them next to nothing, right? And it's not damaging the planet. But Dom, I think the other thing is, it's sort of like, I think the person you're referring to, you know, they're looking at a kind of standard cryptocurrency where the entire idea behind it is to be as efficient as possible. Correct. They're really baking in that. So for them, you know, it's about how many transactions can they do in a second and how little energy can they put into doing that. And actually, when you think about that, that's a really fantastic thing to be doing because they've been very mindful about the energy consumption. And I think it's only just recently that we've all sort of sat around and realized that, you know, this podcast that we're recording now is burning carbon somewhere, isn't it? You know, so I think the world has to kind of wake up to the fact that everything we do is related to an impact, which then translates into largely carbon emissions. The finance industry can play a part because it can help make that a lot more transparent to people, but it also needs to play a part in terms of how does it kind of decarbonize. What you see through many organizations out there is this idea of net zero where they want to get down to a point where they are neutral in terms of what they do from a carbon point of view and i think that then ties into sort of esg and as you say that's turned into a trillion dollar business on its own right but my worry and my suspicion is that that in itself might become more of a box ticking exercise and the accountants have passed where the idea of paying tax is an anathema to certain corporations and certain people, you are going to have an entire industry which is focused on getting companies to net zero when actually they're not at net zero. 
This is where our industry has to come to the table and say, no, we're not going to get involved in this. We're going to help to highlight and make transparent all of this stuff because it's really, really important. One thing that you guys have mentioned and that has really impressed me as a central point on your podcast is this idea of using finance and using the technology to make the world a better place. It is such a consistent theme. You've talked to people who have been doing incredible stuff with mobile in Africa. You had guests on the podcast who talked about doing something specifically for expectant mothers and families, all different sorts of areas. Yet people have the stereotype of finance being something that's just for greedy people, that's just money. When you look at the future, whether it's where you guys are concentrated with your businesses or just the industry itself, where do we stand the best chance of building up a greater good? To begin with, I think you're right. We've been incredibly fortunate to talk to some incredible people who are actually solving problems. You know, that's for me, the big thing is what problems exist and how is the industry going to solve them? So, you know, one of the reasons I obsess around personalization is because actually recognizing people as the human that they are and actually providing them with the right content, the right guidance, the right products, the right services for them in their lives at that particular moment is something that the industry can do. And to me, they should be doing. So, you know, the fact that if you and I bank with the same bank at the moment, we see absolutely the same things is kind of ridiculous because you and I, you know, we live in different countries and things. I mean, it was like, for me, the light bulb moment was my daughter and I bank with the same bank and she was showing me her mobile. And I was like, this just doesn't make any sense that what she sees is what I see because she has very different needs. And she, you know, I think people have a difficult enough relationship with money as it stands. So actually, by providing things like help and advice and guidance for people at a particular moment in time, I think banks can actually help connect people better with money to improve their relationship with money. That then performs a kind of societal positive role. So that for me is a big thing. It could be universal principle. I mean, if you think about the average bank mobile app, why doesn't it try and offer more in terms of guidance and advice, you know, ignoring problems around regulation and all the other bits and pieces which can be solved. Why don't banks do more with what they have? I think one of the answers to that is that, you know, over decades of having proprietary hardware, having proprietary payment networks, proprietary software, etc., banks have got a huge cost base just to operate to be a bank. Therefore, the cost of offering banking services to everybody, especially those people that have very little money, right? Or, and, you know, very little chance of getting credit. So, you know, I've got a low balance and very little chance that you're going to give me some credit anyway. How are they going to make money when their cost of running their organization is so high? What we're at now is a point, it's a bit like going from 3G to 4G, right? If you're in the telco space, you know exactly what I mean. The 3G infrastructure was hugely expensive. It was based on the old network of telephony. When we moved to 4G, we went to almost like going from mainframes to PC level of hardware required 
to create the 4G networks, right? And that was a total game changer in bringing mobile data to the mass population. That's why even in places like Africa, there are more people with mobile phones than have electricity. So banking has to go through this 3G to 4G shift in its infrastructure to reduce its cost, right? and complexity before it can start to really address financial inclusion. This is a space I think new players can come in based on new platforms, right? To address the financial inclusion first, because before we can do the stuff that Dave's talking about, which it absolutely is a must, people have to be in the banking system, right? And there's a huge volume of people that aren't really in that at the moment. So I think step one is to get everybody on board. Like we have mobile proliferation, we should have the same thing. And I would argue we should have had people in the banking system well before they had smartphones, right? Yeah. But once we do that, then I think we can do the rest, right? Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating. You guys have just laid out a triangle that I've never heard referred to in quite this way. You've got hyper-personalization, you've got decentralization, and inclusion. And if you sort of combine all of those things, man, think about what's possible. It's absolutely incredible. It's almost like we're in the Stone Age in some senses compared to what could be. You know, if you're going to solve a problem like climate change, which involves largely informing people, giving people access to information, probably guiding and prompting them, you need those three things to be there working in harmony to kind of deliver this sort of stuff. So I think it all points to this future where all of this stuff makes sense together, to be honest with you. So Dan's right about the inclusion point of view. So we talked to a few people from places such as Ghana and India, where it's incredible what's happened in those countries from a kind of inclusion point of view, where they have literally seen that the development of their countries is about getting people into the banking industry because they know once they're in the banking industry, you know, people are able to take control and they can help and all the other bits and pieces. And it's been really stark in terms of those conversations, how the governments of these countries have seen this as one of their primary missions. So in Ghana, there's a system which has been put in place. In India, there's the India stack, which Dharm can talk to about. You guys did an episode on the India stack, which I thought was fabulous. Oh, my God. The latest article from the bloke from that is a must read, by the way. He talks about the metaverse and some really, really good read. We think we're in advanced economies in the US and Europe, right? And I have IDs with my driving license, with my passport, with my bank. Wherever I go, I've got different usernames, password, etc. Right. And in India, you know, in one fell swoop by putting a digital infrastructure at a national level, they have brought a billion people into banking, a billion people able to get government services through one ID and get payments through one account. It's a phenomenal transformation. These guys are playing leapfrog and we don't understand that. We think we're advanced, but we're actually playing catch up. As we wind down, I want to end on a positive note and just ask both of you, in the things that you are doing individually with Ask Homie and MD+, how do you see yourselves making a difference? What is it about your work that you just really love? We started Ask Homie because I remember at one point when I was growing up, you know, my dad faced the choice of does he move us to live on top of the shop or do we lose the business and stay where we are? 
you know, stay where we are, where there are good schools. It's a nice place to live or go and, you know, live above the shop. And no child should really have to worry about where they're going to live. And no person should not have the opportunity to have a safe place to live in. Right. And that's really what we want to change through Ask Home is to make sure that everybody has a safe place to call home. And, you know, for those people that even have homes, right, what do banks really do to help them protect and keep their home and also move on to the homes of their dreams? Those are the kinds of problems that we want to solve. And that's what gets me out of bed every morning. Fabulous. How about you, Dave? I think if we can help the industry build better relationships with customers and bring in more customers, as Darmish says, through inclusion, then I think, you know, that's going to be a major, major thing, to be honest with you. I mean, one thing that Dharma and I have really enjoyed is actually working with you on these podcasts. And thank you for all the help that you've been on this. It's actually been a fantastic experience just, you know, chatting to people. So we're not that concerned about audience numbers or, you know, this really just started out as a conversation that Dharma and I were having. And then we've ended up talking to amazing people. So for all of us, there's going to be, you know, companies out there that need help and they need a platform and they need a way of cutting through the crap and getting their voice out there. And I think, you know, for me, it's actually really exciting about doing that. So one sort of small example was chatting to Newbank. Now, Newbank are a phenomenal brand, I think one of the biggest fintechs in the world now. But actually, at their heart is a business which really set out to get as many people as they possibly could into the banking sector in Brazil. And I think they have done an incredible job of changing lives. And, you know, having this sort of thing as a platform to promote that is a brilliant thing because there's so much learning that you get from other people. For me, selfishly, the great thing about doing the work on your podcast is it's like having a seat at a doctoral level curriculum on how the industry is changing and what the huge changes are. I can say that of the many, many, many things that you've mentioned today, almost none of them were on my radar screen before I began working with your podcast. And you guys have developed an engaging chemistry. I want to urge everyone in the audience listening to Bankadelic today to tune in to Dave and Darm Demystify with our guests today. Dave Wallace, the co-founder of NMD Plus and Darmish Mystery, the co-founder of Ask Homey. It's a great listen. It's a wonderful experience. And thank you guys for being on Bankadelic today. I mean, us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Three Bullseyes. Number one. It's about companies becoming purposeful, having a mission that isn't about how much money they make, but about how much impact they have on bettering the planet. And there is synergy between these two things. Number two. VSG, as you say, that turned into a trillion dollar business on its own right. But my worry and my suspicion is that that in itself might become more of a box ticking exercise. Number three. In India, by putting a digital infrastructure at a national level, 
They have brought a billion people into banking, able to get government services through one ID and get payments through one account. It's a phenomenal transformation. These guys are playing leapfrog and we don't understand that. Dave Wallace and Darmish Mystery have proven time and again that when you get great people in a room, have a conversation, and freely bat ideas around, you can come to realizations that didn't exist when the conversation started. And in particular, I'm talking about the triangle that emerged from our conversation. That is hyperpersonalization, decentralization, and inclusion. Now, on the last point, I think in the United States, we have a long, long way to go. Inclusion just hasn't been a value in financial services for some time. The fintechs are getting it, but by and large, the larger institutions, the traditional institutions in banking, haven't even been able to figure out a way to reach out to small businesses. When Dave and Darm reference the India stack, it is an incredible, revolutionary concept that has allowed all people to participate in the financial services sphere just by using the documents they already have, driver's licenses, etc. Open banking is turning the world around by allowing different services to meet through application program interfaces. That is the place where apps go to meet to trade services. In the United States, open banking has yet to even stumble out of the gate. If you want to learn more about these topics, I would suggest strongly that you tune into Dave and Darm Demystify, the sister podcast to Bankadelic. And in the meantime, let's open our minds. And let's open our hearts because so much is possible in the future of financial services and the future of this planet when we put our minds together looking not just at the bottom line, but a greater good, which is the top line. Thank you for tuning in to Dave and Don Demystify. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault on SoundCloud. Be sure to connect with Dave Wallace and Darmish Mystery on LinkedIn. And until next time, ciao and have a marvellous week. The Dave and Darm Demystify Show is a production of NMD+, London, Chicago and Austin, Texas.